Today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lines is sponsored by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. A gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today knowing that you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an extra $40 off your order. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game between Penn State and Utah. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host as always, and I am joined by a very esteemed guest. His name is Chris Hess. He is a former ESPN Radio State College producer, also a Penn State grad like myself, big Penn State fan, knows and loves everything about the football team and that much more. It is Chris over on the other side. What's up? Thanks so much for joining me on this episode here. Thanks for having me. And I'm really excited that uh, the opportunity came up and I'm ready to talk some football. Yeah. And you just finished up a stint with a minor league baseball team too. How'd that all go? Oh, that was a lot of fun. I worked for the uh, the Binghamton Rubble Ponies, the AA affiliate of the New York Mets, was a broadcasting and media relations assistant. That was a lot of fun. Got to see some of the top prospects that the Mets have to offer right in front of me. Got to see Max Scherzer as well, Tyler McGill, and Trevor May. A couple other guys made their rehab assignments. But you know, it was a lot of fun getting to see these future big leaguers and some current big leaguers up close and personal. And what's next for you uh, now that that's finished uh, up in Binghamton? Uh, just trying to break into the sports media industry wherever they'll give me an opportunity. I'm open to it, and whatever that opportunity is, wherever it may be, I'll be ready for it. All right. Well, you're going to show everyone your knowledge on display today about Penn State football uh, and much more. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Utah a little. Get your thoughts on the Penn State-Utah game in the Rose Bowl. Again, that's Monday, January 2nd for anybody living under a rock. And then kind of get everyone caught up on the transfer portal, the recruiting, what you've thought about uh, the recent names that they've picked up at the high school level, but also some guys that they might be able to pick up in the transfer portal you'd like to see them get. And then just like those age-old questions, you know, how long's Manny Diaz going to be here? You know, Sean Clifford's legacy, 2023, uh, people are already starting to buy into the fact that Penn State and Michigan, it might come down to one of those teams for next year. So, Chris, I'll definitely want to get your thoughts on that. But before we move any further, uh, where can people connect with you online? So my Instagram is at Christopher underscore Hess 22. And my Twitter handle is at Chris Hess 22, all one word. All right. And of course, you can follow my personal Twitter account at Zach underscore Seiko. If you're watching the show, uh, you can see the little bug. Uh, but for anybody listening, Z-A-C-H underscore S-E-Y-K-O. And follow the show, Locked on Nittany on Twitter. And thank you so much. We've hit the 500 subscriber threshold on YouTube. Uh, that was incredible. I really appreciate the support on the YouTube channel. I guess, Chris, I got to up it now since we met 500 so quickly because I set out to have this by the Rose Bowl. Uh, we've seemed to have shattered that. So can we make it 550 before the Rose Bowl? Uh, 
I just really appreciate the support. It means a lot. So I want to try to make this channel as best as possible for all the listeners and the supporters are out there. Okay. Enough ranting about that, Chris. People came here to hear us talk about Penn State and Utah. Uh, first, let's. Why is Penn State in the Rose Bowl? Aside from the fact that they're ten and two, Ohio State and Michigan made the college football playoff. But what was it about this team that got them to the Rose Bowl? It was the no quit attitude. Yes, they ran into two. They ran into a buzzsaw in Ann Arbor, and you could argue they had an opportunity to win at home against Ohio State. So your two losses are against two teams that are playing for a national championship, essentially, that have a crack at it. Penn State handled its business from week one to week 12. They did what they needed to do. Could they have gone 11-1? and You could say they could, but that's not here nor there. And they didn't have any letdowns after a loss. Usually the losses continue to snowball, especially in 2020 and in 2021, but that wasn't the case. They had perhaps the most dominant month of football that I can remember in a long time, maybe since 2016, that the month of November was theirs, that, yeah, the opponents weren't exactly the best, but that's what you were supposed to do to them. You were supposed to blow them out of the water, and that's exactly what Penn State did. And I'm guessing the bowl committee saw that, hey, this is a team that is on the rise. They're back on track. It would be a very attractive draw for us to bring them to Pasadena. Lo and behold, there it is. Penn State's never played Utah before. Uh, and and I really, how good do you think this Penn State team is? And I know that this game against Utah will tell us all of that, even though some players are starting to opt out. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But do you think that Penn State is a fringe 10-2 and two team? They really don't belong around the top 10 because they beat Rutgers, they beat Indiana, they beat Michigan State. Like these were some lowly teams. And then they got blown out by Michigan. And Ohio State, yeah, they held their own, but Ohio State was able to pull away with what seemed to be really easy. So are, are we looking at a surefire top 10 team, or is this a team that, you know, okay, they're, they're fringe, but they're closer to the middle of the pack here this year? I think 10, of, 10 11 range is a very fair assessment. And I, I just want to know, like, there's people out there who would say, you know, this is a 10-2 and two team, but did they really beat anyone? Well, it's not their fault that the schedule shook out the way it shook out. Do you think that it was Penn State's fault for scheduling Auburn when both teams were, you know, in the top 10? Is it Penn State's fault that Auburn was not very good this year? They scheduled that series years in advance. How are they supposed to know later on? Did Penn State know that Minnesota was going to be undefeated at one point during the season and then their losses continued to snowball? No. So Penn State play the teams on their schedule. They don't get to pick and choose their conference schedule. What their conference schedule was, was what their conference schedule was. And they did everything they could possibly do. They went out and won as many games as they possibly could. And it turned out to be 10 and two. So I'm not sure, you know, like where people are going with that, you know, they're not deserving of a number 10 or a number 11 rank because of who they played. It's not their fault. And they say good teams win and great teams cover, right? Exactly. <laughs> Every time they played a team, they beat them handedly, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like they had any close calls there. Uh, so now Penn State gets matched up with Utah out in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Uh, the spread has moved around. Penn State actually, they opened up as favorites. Uh, then it looks like the betting market shifted all the way to Utah. And we've seen Joey Porter Jr. opt out. Uh, Parker Washington's going to the NFL, but we already knew that he wasn't going to play in this game. And we get the news that Utah is going to be without its leading receiver, and that's Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. And I think this one's a little tougher of a pill to swallow in this kind of game. 
Clark Phillips III is not going to be playing for Utah. He's arguably one of the best offenders, I think, overall in Utah history. He was the ninth consensus All-American player in Utah history. Six interceptions. He basically took away an entire side of the field. I want to know from you, Penn State, when Parker Washington went out, it felt like the offense really took a turn. And they had to move Mitchell Tinsley into the slot. They became a little more tight end dominant, which is about time because they had Brenton Strange, Tyler Warren, and Theo Johnson. And you even saw Khalil Dinkins, for crying out loud, make some plays as a fourth tight end. But what I'm getting at is the offense had a little more diversity. It was a little more dynamic than when Parker Washington is hurt. He's out the last two games. And you see Penn State kind of go a little more conservative and because they could with the offensive line and with the running backs that they have. So are you expecting more of this? Uh, but since they have a little more time to game plan for Utah, just how do you expect Mike Yersage in this offense to attack a Utah defense that, yeah, is going to be missing its best player, but is still pretty good from all the way on the front four to the back end of the safeties? That's a good question because – if I'm from my perspective on this game, it's giving me like 2017 Fiesta Bowl vibes that okay. you talk about how Penn State has a very good offense. And I could argue that, you know, this Penn State offense might be a little bit harder to game plan against that if you took in 2017, they took away Saquon Barkley as best as they could. OK, so now you have the perimeter threats. Parker Washington's not in the equation because he's hurt. You still have some perimeter threats, but instead of just one tight end and Mike Gesicki in 2017, you have three to deal with, and yeah. you have a stable of running backs to deal with as well. And you talk about Utah's defense, and they're very talented, but they did, they're just facing, I think, a different animal. Yes, USC is very prolific what they faced this year, but I think there's this so much diversification on the Penn State offense and the ability to spread the ball out and just get the ball out quick. And that's how Clifford's going to find success is getting that ball out quick and letting his guys make plays. And it's also a bit of an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth situation that both sides are going to be without their best wide receiver. Well, in this case, Utah, it's a tight end, but still a pass catcher yeah. and best your pass best, catcher, right? best defensive player in Joey Porter Jr. and Clark Phillips III. So it's, it was an even playing field, in my opinion, just from the eye test. But now with both teams having two of their main players out, it's still an even playing field, in my opinion. Are you expecting points or are you expecting this to be a defensive struggle? Because that's what I'm starting to lean towards. I think that Penn State just has a run-first identity now. They almost have to with the personnel that they had. Uh, but you have to have Mitchell Tinsley play out of position. You've seen them go 12 personnel, more three tight end packages. And Utah is just frankly... In terms of run defense, they're really good. So Penn State's not going to get yards pretty easily. And then even with Clark Phillips the third out, I honestly don't know that I like the wide receiver versus the secondary matchup. I still give the lean to Utah as of right now, especially when you factor in that pass rush. So at this point in time, I'm not really expecting that many points. I think the total settled at about 52, 51 at this. I just don't see them both teams getting to that. Uh this game is so tough because I find both teams to be so incredibly even with each other. There's a lot of similarities yeah. between the two. And I think both defenses are going to show up. I think the offenses are going to have some big plays as well. 
I see it more so in the middle. Like it's not going to be a 48, 45 barn burner like it was last year. I certainly don't think it's going to be a 14 to 10 type of game either. I think it's a safe bet to maybe put both teams in the twenties and maybe one team creeping towards 30, but not quite. This is really a coin flip game and it's sure to be a really good one. Yeah, it certainly will be. It's the last one before the national championship and what a way to kind of finish up college football before the big game itself. He is Chris Hess, special guest on this show, on this episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. My name is Zach Seiko. When we come back, we're going to continue to discuss Penn State football, the transfer portal, the recruiting, uh, the coaching and the stability of it, what Penn State needs to do to kind of continue this hot streak of building and stacking these recruiting classes. It's all coming up next on Locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by Omaha Steaks. This is insane. Omaha Steaks has cut prices 50% site-wide to make you the gift-giving hero that you always wanted to be. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks have put together a delicious selection of various gift packages to make shopping for the ones you love nice and easy. Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of the 50% off site-wide. Plus, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout and you get an additional $40 off your order. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Take advantage of the 50% off site-wide, plus use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for helping us surpass over 500 subscribers. Chris, thanks so much for joining me on this episode. That is Chris Hess, ladies and gentlemen. I am Zach Seiko. We're just getting right back into it. The transfer portal, the recruiting, they've picked up back-to-back defensive end commits that, that really goes along with the defensive, that a class for 2023 that is definitely defensive heavy because you have, how many, I've lost count of how many defensive backs they have with six. <laughs> Anthony Poindexter and uh, and Terry Smith have done an incredible job back there. Like they, they are the anchors. Uh, on this defensive staff, of course, Manny Diaz is the defensive coordinator, but uh, just the the pitch that they have, they basically say, you can be the next Joey Porter Jr. You can be the next Jaquan Brisker, like it developed them into that role, like year in, year out, they keep turning these prospects into NFL guys and it shows. Uh, so now you're, you're, you finally also had the players not necessarily leave behind the Brent Pry defense, but finally adjust to the Manny Diaz defense because at first we were like, okay, when's this going to happen? When's the Manny Diaz blitz happy party? When's it going to happen? And it happened in that Auburn game because against Purdue, you didn't see any of it. You didn't need it against Ohio. And so they finally saved that blueprint for the Auburn game. And that's why they were able to squash them. So I guess my, my first question is here, the, the recruiting part of it first Penn State's starting to stack some of these really talented classes, and that's how you build depth. And you're seeing that. I mean, already the true freshmen were just 
instant guys with instant impact in this season. So do you think this 2023 class has the same potential or there, is there going to be a little bit of a learning curve? I think there might be just a slight learning curve, nothing too out of the ordinary with a blue, with a recruiting class full of blue chip guys. I think what we saw in 2022 was just the culmination of guys that were just so ready from the jump. Heck you can make the case that, the big three of Singleton, Allen, and Carter were ready for college football in their senior year of high school. You can make that case because they just did not skip a beat whatsoever. I think with this one, you have guys that have really, really high ceilings but are still raw athletically, and that's okay. You know, yeah. That's what development is for. That's what a redshirt season is for. And then once there's a good amount of roster turnover, you're not having to scramble to pull – anywhere of eight to 10 guys from the transfer portal, like some other schools will have to do and building that depth and building that blueprint and that consistency that goes a long way. And like, yeah, the transfer portal does help to, you know, plug and play a guy, you know, maybe one guy here and one guy there, you don't have to live and die by it. But when you get that depth and that blueprint and the coaches can sell that identity to future high school recruits, that goes a long way. Yeah. I really like this class uh, mostly because it's it's filled with defensive backs and you're getting guys that can play honestly anywhere that can play a true boundary corner or it can be a safety. So they might come be coming in with a safety designation or a cornerback designation, but they're going to flip flop. They're going to move around wherever they kind of need them. I mean, I like those guys like Lamont Payne, Conrad Hussey, King Mack. Like I, I could go up and down. Do you, maybe it's one of those three. Do you think there's, uh, I mean, they just picked up some guys. Uh, Joseph Mapoy was another guy they just picked up this week. And they're targeting some others that could be real critical pieces for the class of 2023. Is there a name that you say, you know what, I can't wait to see him play on Saturdays? I'm going to go with, it's hard to pick one, but I will pick, I'll pick three. Okay. Javen Williams. Alex Birchmeyer and Tony Rojas. Yeah, those Tony are my Rojas is really good. Those are my three because when was the last time that you've seen two high end blue chip offensive linemen commit to Penn State? That the offensive line this year has been really good and has taken a big step forward. But those guys, Williams and Birchmeyer, are what those guys are the difference makers. And when was the last time you could say that Penn State truly had? a difference maker on the offensive line. Yeah. And those are, that's why I find it so interesting. Cause we're going to go to the transfer portal here in just a second, but I find it interesting with all of the guys that you're bringing back now with Olu Fashionu, you, until we hear otherwise, I assume that juice Scruggs and Caden Wallace are going to be back in 2023. So, and, and you have Javen Williams, you have Birch Meyer, you have Anthony Donko coming in. I think he's kind of an underrated prospect as well. I'm not saying they're going to start, but look what happened with Drew Shelton, who was thrusted into the blindside protector for Sean Clifford and did an outstanding job. Sure, he needed some help at times. Sure, he looked like a true freshman, but uh, for a true freshman, he played pretty damn well through the few games that he had to start. Um, and, and held his own for the most part. I, I agree with Tony Rojas. Honestly, um, I want them to get a linebacker out of the transfer portal. It doesn't seem like they're heavily targeting one. Um, but if Tony Rojas, kind of like an Abdul Carter, he's not going to take Abdul Carter's spot. 
but I could easily see maybe by midseason Tony Rojas is that linebacker on the other side, and then your three are Kobe Kobe King's the Mike. You have Abdul Carter as the off ball, and you have Tony Rojas as the on ball if he can pick up Manny Diaz's system that quickly. Um, but that time will tell. So I definitely agree with that name drop there. Uh, as for the transfer portal here, uh, they I think they need linebackers. They're targeting offensive linemen. I think they need to get a backup quarterback. But it's not like the NFL where you can go out and get a Brian Hoyer, for example, and, and say, you know, like, hey, we need that journeyman. You know, you'll come in. Like, in college, you're you're playing football because you love the game, but also because you're trying to get to that NFL spot. Is there a particular position? Uh, the obvious one's wide receiver, so feel free to agree with me there. But is there another position, maybe in addition to wide receiver, that you're looking at that Penn State needs, absolutely needs out of the transfer portal? I don't think there's one that they absolutely need, like an absolute dire need, other than receiver. Receiver okay. is very clearly the big thing that they need. Maybe two, I'd say take about two of them, but – for any other position, it's more so how can they just improve that of on a position group that they weren't able to you know, necessarily get in the recruiting class. It's like, how can we get a guy in here that, you know, can play a little bit and then as time goes on, really get an idea of the Penn State mentality or someone that just needs a fresh change of scenery. It's it's tough because other than wide receiver, I don't see a big position of need. Can they get guys that fit the system at any spot? Absolutely. But linebacker, I can understand why you say that because I don't think the depth is where it should be. There's talent, no, but it's a little bit thin. So I understand where you're coming from there, which also plays back into where will KV on keys end up in the recruiting class? That's another yep. big question that he decommitted from UNC yep. as a crystal ball to Penn state. And if he comes in, that's huge. And that may be what takes away the need for a linebacker. But as of right now, I'd say wide receiver is your main priority and anything else is just the icing on the cake. Is there anybody out of the portal that you would want in particular? I mean, they've offered so many, um, Dante Cephas seems to be like a clear cut. Maybe by the time this episode's posted, um, he'll have, uh, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be up on uh, Wednesday, December 14th here. Uh, but outside of Dante Cephas, maybe it's a Dorian singer. Maybe it's a Jimmy Horn jr. Maybe it's a rah, rah Thomas out of Mississippi state. Uh, who, who do you think could end up at Penn state or who do you really want to come out of the transfer portal and come to happy Valley? Well, I would like to see Dante Thornton. I think Dante Cephas yeah. is the very safe bet that I think Penn State's in a very, very good position because he has that the Pittsburgh ties with Daquan Hardy and Tank Smith. That goes a long way, that familiarity aspect. I would love to see Dante Thornton in Penn State blue and white. Well, he should have been. He should have been all been. along. He decommitted and ended up going to Oregon and is in the portal now. It, at least from what I've been reading, it's down to Penn State and Auburn. I don't know where his Auburn. mind is at. I don't know where his mind is at with that situation, but I guess we'll see how it all unfolds. I would love to see Dorian Singer as well. I think he's that big body receiver that Penn State is lacking in the wide receiver department. And I think this might be a bit of a long shot, but Caden Prather, who just entered I'm from West. Glad you brought him up because I was going to say, I, I really want Prather because we're, I think Penn State's really missing that Juwan Johnson type of receiver. I just fear that his body type 
is so hard to find that he was a Penn State lean at one point during his recruiting process and then ended up at West Virginia and had a good two years down at West Virginia. I believe he had in the neighborhood of about 40 to 45 receptions in this season. And you can't teach what he has. And it would not shock me if he ended up at Penn State, but it also would not shock me if he ended up at an SEC school just because he has that prototypical SEC wide receiver caliber body and skill set. He's Chris Hess. I'm Zach Seiko. This is a special edition of Locked on Nittany Lions as we talk about everything going on with Penn State, the Rose Bowl, the recruiting, building through the transfer portal. Now, I mean, we're in the present, but let's look ahead to the future. Chris and I are going to talk about the 2023 outlook and just the implications that it could have for the entirety of the Penn State football program. That is all coming up next on Locked On Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, well, guess what? You can even find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Final segment of Locked On Nittany Lines. Again, special guest and really a privilege that he took the time out of his schedule. Chris Hess on the other side. I'm Zach Seiko, your host, as always, of Locked On Nittany Lines. We've talked about the Rose Bowl. talked about building the program with uh, the high school recruiting that I'm glad that James still focuses on. He's not like, you know, let's be a free agency and just go get every person we can. Because you want to build some chemistry, right? You want to build some synergy, and get guys, because that's how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to, you build the class, you have them come in and learn as freshmen, and then they work their way up. And so I'm glad that's still the basis of the foundation. And I I really don't see, like, yeah, it's kind of a get rich quick type of thing when you work through the transfer portal, but it, it almost seems like it's fool's gold at the end of the day, because how many other programs, uh, besides USC, I think USC is a little different, um, that, and, and we'll see. Time will tell if they'll be able to continue the success. But teams that built instantaneously through the transfer portal, you're kind of seeing them a- at least come back down to earth and particularly, you know, referring to Michigan State. But Georgia doesn't seem to be doing that. Alabama's not doing that. Yeah, sure, they go get the complimentary pieces, but they're not going and saying, all right, let's flip the entire roster over and bring in a bunch of guys that have no familiarity with the program. But I think if you're going in and you need a starting point, at least as a stopgap, that's what you need to do. So that's what the transfer portal was meant to be, and, and it's here to stay. Same with NIL, uh, but Penn State's got a bright future ahead of itself. I started to see uh, you know articles and posts about how oh, Penn State and Michigan in November could decide the Big Ten. How much stock are you buying into that, Chris? I'm buying a fair amount of stock. I'm not going to turn into a homer and say, oh, that's absolutely accurate 100% through and through. I'll buy a good amount of stock into it. It's going to be tough having to go to Columbus um, in the middle of October. But Ohio State's going to be going through quite a bit of roster turnover as well. They're going to be losing C.J. Stroud and whoever else decides to declare for the NFL draft on both sides of the ball. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. is only a sophomore, so that's, oh boy, here we go get probably the Bolitnikoff award winner next year. Yeah. But uh, 
I'm not going to buy full stock, but I think there's a very good chance that could be the case. And it's supposed to be, I mean, it is going to be Drew Aller is now the assumed starting quarterback. They're going to bring in Jackson Smolik through uh, recruiting. And then they have Bo Prabula, honestly. And I've heard a lot of good things about Bo Prabula just from talking to people that go to practice frequently that are around the Penn State football team. Like he's the clear cut number two and they trust him. And I think he's the long-term plan when Drew Aller does his time in about two years, he's going to go pro. And then Bo is going to be ready to go. You, you don't know about Bo, but you should. Uh, the quarterback room is going to be very young because you are going to have z- combined. That's why I said maybe in the transfer portal, you got to go get a guy. Maybe you can see if there's some veteran grad transfer, like a Hunter Norzad that's looking to get his master's, but maybe not necessarily trying to build an NFL type of career, if that makes sense. I know that how many quarterbacks are in the transfer portal that are looking to do that. I, I can't imagine there are many, but bottom line is you're going to have three signal callers who have zero starting experience next year. Uh, but they have uh, Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen, that offensive line, uh, a solid defense with Manny Diaz coming back. There's so much to unpack with all of it. Uh, before we get to the quarterback room itself and with Drew Aller and what you think about him, Sean Clifford's leaving along. He's leaving behind quite the legacy. No, he does not have a seventh year of eligibility. He's done after the six here. And there's a good half of the fan base, I would think, that just absolutely hates this guy's guts. Uh, your thoughts on Sean Clifford, because I thought he had a pretty good career under the circumstances. All right. I'm rolling my sleeves up now. All right. So I have been very adamant about this ever since Clifford became the starting quarterback in 2019. And have I been a critic of his? Absolutely. I think in yeah. certain instances it's warranted, but I've never wished ill I've never wished injury like some people in the fan base have, which I don't understand. And what irritates me the most is that they didn't, the, the, a good portion of the fan base hates his guts, but for what reason? Because he didn't get to the college football playoff. Sorry. I get that. It's difficult to get there, but, and then the comparisons to players in the past that there's fans saying that Clifford stats should have an asterisk next to it because he played six years. Well, he was on campus for six years, started four, and when his career is finished, will only have five more games played than Trace McSorley. Yeah. And I just find it to be so unwarranted. Absolutely unwarranted that the amount of hate this guy gets. He's not perfect by any means, but if anyone were to argue the fact about his toughness, how he's a warrior, how much he loves Penn State, and how he leaves it all out on the field every single time he steps on there. If people are going to question that, they need to reconsider themselves because I'll be damned if I've found a guy who loves Penn State more than number 14. Yeah, Sean Clifford, I think part of it has to do with the fact that he had been there for so long. And then you have Drew Aller waiting behind him in, I mean... Look, Drew Allers, you know, a, a fancy five star, but and the games he did perform well at times, but there were other times that he showed that he was a freshman, that he was young, and that's the that's the whole point. So look, I've I've received comments here on the channel that's like, well, how good is Drew Aller if he couldn't beat out a Sean Clifford? It's like, whoa, <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, a guy that's been so the intern that comes in, right? The intern that comes into the business should be able to take over for the six-year CEO, is my understanding, Chris. 
I, I just uh, so let let's let that segue in because Sean Clifford's the past. Uh, you know, yeah, he, he's only played a few more games than Trace McSorley and put up the stats that he did. Uh, I would never take those away from him. It was just kind of the circumstances. You had the COVID year and you were going to take it. So are we going to criticize Aiden O'Connell? Or are we going to criticize Tanner Morgan? Because I've, I, I take Sean Clifford over both of them. Uh, outside of C.J. Stroud and J.J. McCarthy, uh, I think all those other Big Ten teams that struggled this year would take a Sean Clifford. Let's just put it at that. So Drew Aller is going to be the starter. Bo Perbule is your two. Jackson Smolik, expect him to redshirt and be the three. Things are really bad if he's out there playing. It's nothing against him. Let's just, you know, that. But it's safe to say that, you know, things are have gone south uh, if Jackson Smolik's in a game. Uh, for Penn State, can Drew Aller lead this team to a Big Ten title in his first year of starting, or do we have to wait till 2024? I think they're going to be in the running. I will not say for sure that they're going to make it to the Big Ten title game and win a Big Ten title game because if I'm being honest, I still like the chances of Penn State going to Columbus and winning more so than beating Michigan at home because Michigan is still, I think, the team to beat in the Big Ten. And I don't see that offensive line dropping off even with Olu Oluwatimi leaving and whoever they're going to plug and play at center might be just as good, or even if it's a step below, it's still really good. Those guys have fifth-year guys on the offensive line. Are they going to come back for a sixth year? We don't know that yet. The defense is still going to be mean and nasty. And what's Blake Corum going to do? Is he going to come back after having his really, really good 2022 season cut short because of a knee injury? Is he going to come back? And if he doesn't come back, you still have to worry about Donovan Edwards. It's It's – it's play with fire and get burnt with Michigan at this point that they they're just going to keep reloading at the, at the skill position groups and especially on the offensive line. And with Ohio state's turnover, I think Penn state's got a better chance of going into Columbus and winning more so than beat Michigan at home. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's definitely the case here. Um, I think with losing CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord's kind of been that guy. It's like he sat in wait that he's going to be the starting quarterback next year and has the weapons around him, a Travion Henderson, a Marvin Harrison jr. And company. So Ohio state's kind of that wild card and they're with all the criticism or they're not going to go away. Let's just say that. But the gap in the big 10 is really narrow right now. It's really narrow. And if Penn state can make any movement, I think Ohio state, they're taking not a leap back, but they're taking the slightest step back and so you're getting the same thing here. Drew Aller's going to be a first-time starter. Kyle McCord's going to be a first-time starter. Uh, but I think Ohio State kind of, at least for the moment, would have a – there's no Marvin Harrison Jr. on Penn State's team, unfortunately. Like, that's what I worry about. Like, yeah, you got all three tight ends. Yeah, you got the running backs. You got the offensive line. But you don't necessarily have – if Penn State gets from behind, are they going to be able to come back? And we've seen that as a quarterback – Uh, with NFL teams, right? Like a Tom Brady, you can't do it all by yourself. You need the weapons around you to get things done. Look at a Tua Tagovailoa, for example. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell have helped him take the the next step for it. That's just, it's a small example, but I I think it's something to point out. We've, all right. So that's the offense. This is what I want to finish with you uh, on Chris, the defense. And Manny Diaz is going to be in his second season uh, I because we teased it at the beginning of the podcast, I feel like we owe, owe the listeners and the viewers this. Do you think Manny Diaz is going to last uh, one more season, or is he going to be a head coach after 2023 somewhere else? 
I think he's probably going to end up being a head coach after the 2023 season. I don't know where. If he's back okay. in 2024, I would be absolutely stunned. And if that's the case, I'm certainly not going to complain about it. But if not the 2023 season, then definitely after 2024, he would become a head coach somewhere. I feel like he's in that Brent Pry situation where he wants to find that absolutely perfect situation. Yeah, I, he didn't want to go. When they said he was rumored to go to Florida Atlantic, he wants a power five job. Uh, he was at Miami for crying out loud. Like he's not going to settle for something different. Uh, but I did think it was interesting. Uh, the defense, can this defense be better? Or since they're going to be losing Jair Brown, Joey Porter Jr., they're going to take a step back. What are your early thoughts on the 2023 version of Penn State's defense? I think the secondary might take the slightest step back, but that defensive line, oh, mama, that's going to be a problem. And then grown man, number 11, Abdul Carter, anchoring the linebackers, that front seven is going to be absolutely disgusting. The only question mark right now is who's going to replace that P.J. Mustafer. Because when Mustafer takes on a double team or a triple team, that frees up everybody else. And guys like P.J. Mustafer don't grow on trees. So I think that's where they'd have to go into the portal to find someone or have somebody on the team step up to fill that void. Uh, If people are looking for names right now, one of them is going to be Zane Durant. Um, You'll still have a Hakeem Beeman, uh, Devon Elise. Uh, just to name a few. So those are those are guys that could definitely step up. But I think Zane Durant's can same thing with that deny Dennis Sutton looking to take that uh, next step. But they have looked at defensive linemen in the transfer portal. So a good point as PJ Mustafer uh, is a defensive MVP that doesn't always show up in the box score. But you like kind of review the film and it's like, man, you know, he helped other people make plays. Uh, Chris, I'm definitely going to invite you back on to another Locked on Nittany Lines episode because this was a lot of fun. We we talked about so much, got to unpack it all, and I hope that uh, everybody tuned in for this one, appreciated it just as much as I did. So thanks again, and we'll definitely do this again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to the next time uh, that I get to come on. Thanks for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, but beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for helping the YouTube channel get to over 500 subscribers. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notifications whenever we post new content here at Locked On Nittany Lions. And leave any feedback you want in the comments section, any questions you have for upcoming episodes. Also comment your bowl scores or any bowl predictions you might have for Penn State and Utah, and keep it locked right here for more content on the Penn State Nittany Lions.